sorry about that. Doach, I wanted to um, share a few stories about Reb Pinya. Reb Pinya Korfal Shalma just uh, passed away. Reb Pinya was a uh, legendary mashpia, Hasidic mentor to thousands of people, and uh, he really set the standard of what a mashpia, what a Hasidic mentor really is. Uh, just share a, f- a few things about Rapinia. The level of um, self-effacement, of of humility, uh, is a different league than than people know about. He's just in a different league. Give you an example. Um, a friend of mine was walking in Kingston Avenue in Crown Heights with his son. And his son accidentally bumped into Rapinya. So his father says, say you're sorry. So Rapinya right away says, I'm sorry. <laughs> There's no no sense, no, no um, yeshas, no no um, sense of self at all. Uh, Rapinya knew my great-grandfather, Rabbi Sol Nevler, and he said a few stories about him. Uh, he learned from him. He said that um, Rabbi Sol Nevler, he was arrested in uh, Russia because his children didn't go to a communist school. And the, the purpose of the communist school and the purpose that the government uh, forced everyone to go to the communist school wasn't so that they should learn secular studies. The goal was rather to tear out any vestige of faith in God. That was the reason why the communists insisted that everyone go to, to, um, to school. So when uh, he was arrested, the KGB came to his wife, um, Rabbi Sinchana Michla, his wife, and they said to her, if you send your daughter to school, then we will release your husband from prison. So she immediately agrees. And uh, they, sent, they, they kept their word and they, kept, they took him out of prison. But right after he came out of prison, uh, he sees his daughter preparing to go to school. He says, where are you going? She says, I'm going to school. Why are you going to school? So he, he said, she said, don't you know that the only reason they let you out of prison was in order, it was because I agreed to go to school because mom said that I should go to school. That's why you're out of prison. So he said, if that's the case, I'll go back to prison. And he started, he stood up and he said, I'm going back to prison. So the end was that she didn't go back to school and he didn't go to prison, Baruch Hashem. Neither, neither of those calamities happened. But that's just uh, something your opinion would share to give us some insight about how the physical world meant nothing to these Hasidim. They were, they were not at all interested in the physical. To the extent uh, that Friedrich Rebbe, the previous Rebbe, said that uh, regarding going to school, he said if they will tell you that they will throw you in fire if you send your children to their, if you don't send your children to their schools, better you should go on fire than send the children to school. Uh, the um, the emphasis of Rapinya's uh, mentorship were was for students in the yeshiva of Tenchatvim, students in the Rebbe's yeshiva, and he always would speak to the students in the yeshiva about how they're meant to be in a higher standard because they were in that yeshiva, and also the graduates of that yeshiva are held to a higher standard. 
for example, as we're discussing the Shabbos, uh, it says in the Hayom Yom that anyone who went to the Yeshiva of Tanchet Pimim uh, is meant to study an hour of Chassidus every day. An opinion would say it doesn't mean to someone who's who's currently attending the Yeshiva. If they're currently attending the Yeshiva, then when Yeshiva first began in the city of Lubavitch, you studied Chassidus for four hours a day. And if you're talking about uh, studying the study of Chassidus in America was for three hours. It is for three hours a day. So the instruction of studying Chassidus for every one hour a day, that's for everyone who was ever in that yeshiva. And I think it would really be an, a, an amazing thing as we're discussing the Shabbos, people to take out, take this upon themselves. One story Pinya loved, and you repeat it often, about this idea of, of the higher standard that is demanded of those who had the mer- great merit of studying Chassidus and studying the yeshiva, was a story about the uh, the the vote for the rabbi in the shul in Moscow. There were two candidates for this position. One of them was a Chabad Chassid. I think his name was Haimovich or something. And there was another uh, gentleman who was not a Chassid who was also contending for the position. And of course the Chassidim wanted their man to be in the position. But they heard an instruction came to the previous Rebbe that the person that everyone should vote for as a rabbi was the other other man, not the Chabad Chas, which was very surprising. So Chaikel Chanan, uh, he was a Chabad Chas, and he really wanted to know, what is this about? What does this mean? Who is this man? So he made a pretext of why he needed to spend some time in his house. Uh, I, I think I think Rabbi said he, was, he, he, he suspected... This rabbi of being a spy or something. I'm not sure what 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 Rabbi Heichel was worried about. But either way, the pretext he said was that he's coming. He came to town. He doesn't know whose home he's able to eat in, but he figures the rav, the rabbi, the town's food is kosher, and therefore he wants to um, eat in the rabbi's house because uh, he's nowhere else to go. He wants to. He figures can you trust the rabbi's home that it's a kosher home? This was on a Friday, and the rabbi agrees, and he stayed in his house for Shabbos. Came Friday night. In Russia at that time, um, if you didn't work on Shabbos, it was sort of like a death sentence. There was no actual death sentence for breaking Shabbos, but working on Shabbos was necessary in order to get a card to get food, a bread card. If you did not want to work on Shabbos, so then you you were there's no the only work you could have is working for the government. You're not working for the government. You don't get you don't get a, get a bread card, and therefore, uh, you, how are you gonna survive? So, so the government by making this the rule of of uh, everyone, has to, everyone has to work for the government, or, the, or the, without that they can't get food, was really putting people's lives in danger unless they broke Shabbos. So many people needed to break Shabbos to keep to stay alive, and it's technically kosher to uh, in various situations to. Um, First of all, if your life is in danger, you're allowed to break Shabbos. But besides that, there are various things you could do that will not be considered breaking Shabbos. And so, this Chaikal Khanan, when he was staying at this rabbi's house for Shabbos, a man comes into the home of the rabbi and he says, I have a question. I um, want to uh, keep Shabbos, but I want to stay alive as well. Can I accept a certain position? And he explained to the rabbi, the rabbi this position that he was offered, and he wants to know if 
how he's if this is okay if he's allowed to keep this position because it will it will um, make him break the Shabbos. So the rabbi said that there are various heterim, um, there are various loopholes in halacha, and if he does A and B, if he does a shinui, he does various halachic acrobatic uh, activities, to uh, that would ensure that the transgression of Shabbos would be lightened and therefore it would be considered allowable for him to take this position. Okay, the guy accepts this and he leaves. Then another man enters. And this man already had an idea of what he was going to do to, um, to uh, support keeping Shabbos while accepting this working position on Shabbos. He had certain ideas of how he thought it would work. And all the ideas that he had, the Rav dismissed summarily. He, 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 um, he didn't allow any of the various heterim, uh, any of the various um, loopholes. And then the guy leaves, he has no idea what he's supposed to do because the rabbi didn't really say anything he could do. It's all the ways he suggested were kosher, and I guess he, he wasn't able to take that job. And uh, Heichel's asked the rabbi, "How come? How would? Why did you do this? The first guy you said he could, and the second guy you said you can't." So the rabbis told him, Heichel, the second guy was a student in the yeshiva of Tenchatim. Since he was a student in the yeshiva, there are different standards that Hashem wants of him. Some different standards are expected of him. Repinia, I love this story because it highlights how uh, this 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 concept of of uh, holding yourself to a higher standard if you are at the merit of studying the teachings of Hasidus. Um, Rapinya himself, uh, besides studying Hasidus every day, but also I uh, would encourage everyone, all the students to really spend time learning, learning Hasidus. And uh, someone once asked him, how long should you learn Hasidus for? And he said there was a Hasid he merited to meet, whose name was David Haradaker. Uh, David Haradaker, uh, was was already an old time uh, chassid from 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 a long time ago, but he married he managed to meet him once, and he said of David when he would teach chassidus, uh, he would stop when he got hungry. <laughs> he didn't look at the clock. He was teach and teach and teach, but he would stop when he got when he got hungry. He said, "Okay, that's a uh, time to time to stop." Interestingly, um, my great grandfather Bishon Nevler, he was in the audience of the previous Lav Shereba. And he told the Rebbe that he has no time to learn chassidus because he's a sheichet. He, is, he has to do the shechita and he has no time to study. So the previous Rebbe said to him, um, and, and additionally, he lived in a time when there was a great hunger. People would come to him to late at night to, to, just to get to get to consult with him and to. So he he asked the previous Rebbe, "What should he do?" So the previous Rebbe said. What time do they stop coming? You see, you, you advise people so there's a hunger and you encourage people. What time do they stop co- coming to your house? He says about midnight. So the previous Rebbe said, so then you should start learning chassidus at midnight. The first few hours, he said, will be hard. And afterwards, the next couple of hours will get, will get easier. That's what he said. And then he said, you think you're supposed to learn chassidus when you're well rested and when you're, and, when, and when you're well fed. You should learn chassidus specifically when you're not well rested and when you're not well fed. And Randall Futafas commented in the story, and he said, you see from the story how many hours he had to spend learning chassidus. He said the first few hours 
won't be so hard. Anyways, uh, on that note, Rapinya, famously, one of the most famous things that people know about Rapinya, maybe not the most important thing, but definitely one of the most more famous things. There was a wedding, and all the students in the yeshiva attended the wedding because I guess it was one of the stu- one of the yeshiva students of who had gotten married. And the next morning, I think it was a Friday morning, and nobody came to study Hasidus that morning because everyone had, was tired from the wedding. So the Pinya was the only one who came to the yeshiva. So the Rebbe walked into the study hall, and the Rebbe saw there's only one student there. The Rebbe said, are you the only child of Tinchat Vimim? You are the Ben, the ben Yochid, the only child of Tinchat Vimim. And uh, in a way, Rapinya, not just himself being a Ben Yochid, the only child of Tinchat Vimim, but he had many, many children, many, many thousands of children, thousands of chassidim that he raised. In fact, I was, um, last week, I was um, at the privilege of meeting an older chassid who was in the 70s. And I asked him if he has any memories of Rapinya, and he said he grew up in Newark, and he was a child. He needed he needed guidance, and Rapinya guided him. He said since he was a little child, until until he passed away, guiding him for decades and decades. That's and, and he paid attention. He, he was he was in tune with people around him, and and who needed he needed the guidance, and he and he gave it. He was, he was very very generous with his time and. Uh, um, and with love and concern, you know, you, you knew with your opinion you could reach out to him and he wouldn't judge you and he would listen to you and uh, give you guidance sincerely from the heart that, that the, for, for your benefit. So I think, a, and it's amazing that he passed away uh, on Pasha's Pinchas. Pasha's Pinchas was a time, when unfortunately, um, he was beaten up because he taught Hasidus, he was teaching Hasidus in a neighborhood in uh, New York. At the time, there was a lot of animosity from various sects of Hasidim to, towards Lubavitch. They were very upset about uh, what they felt was an infiltration in their turf. And they uh, took Rapinya and they beat him up and they shaved his beard. And it happened to Parshas Pinchas. And the Rebbe said that this this person that they did this to his name is Pinchas he and he acted like Pinchas he went just like in this week's Torah portion read about how Pinchas just did the will of God not making any calculations whatsoever a similar way Pinya did the same he went to teach Chassidus in Williamsburg and he didn't make any calculations and it didn't matter to him what would happen to him just he wanted to, 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 to carry the torch and inspire these souls Souls, inspiring souls. And uh, we got we got to keep on with the inspiration until Mashiach comes, inspiring other people to go on that that route of learning Chassidus and sharing Chassidus until uh, until we see Mashiach. A good of Ach, Surah